Father, this morning we come to you by faith. We don't even have to go far to come to you. You are right here among us and for those who are saved in us. Let every other voice be stilled. Let anxiety, fear, worry be cast out. Let our spirits be sensitive to hear the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. And our minds receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand the principles of the kingdom of God. To that end, Lord, we hear everyone who is listening online around the world, we commit ourselves. One Lord, one word, one body. Be magnified, Lord, in our midst. For you have magnified your word about all your name. To that end, I commit this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 We've been looking at how the enemy steals and how the Lord gives. John 10.10, 10, scripture says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. They may have it more abundant. That's how Jesus is always. Every time he comes, he comes to give life. He doesn't come to give death. He comes to give life. He comes to give life. Death is later. Judgment is later. Now, when he comes, he comes to give life. So whenever you come to Jesus, do not be satisfied with the life of God you have. Because he wants to give us more. More. But there's an enemy. He comes to steal. He never changes. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. And we saw what all causes loss, death, destruction. Primarily, it is ignorance. First platform is ignorance. That's why Jesus tells, gives his disciples the command, go and preach, even at the cost of your life, because the message is worth it. Go preach, go teach, make disciples of all nations. Why? Otherwise, they will perish. Because they do not have the knowledge of how God works and how his kingdom functions. And then it will be too late. Because then judgment will be set. So people primarily perish because of lack of knowledge. The knowledge of God. And then where the knowledge of God is there, people still perish. Because to receive that knowledge, there is a culture, there is an atmosphere rather. Which is the atmosphere of meekness. Receive with meekness. That's what the word of God says through Apostle James. And Jesus himself says, learn of me. I am 
me. He says, you have to learn from me and you have to learn of me. Before you can learn from me, you have to learn of me. Be like me. Be meek. Because only the meek can be taught. The proud cannot be taught. So the Bible says, pride also goes before destruction. So never come into the presence of God, even for your morning Bible study, thinking you know everything. Because the truth is we know nothing. We know nothing. Okay, in the light of who God is, we hardly know anything. That's why we encourage you over and over again. Those who know nothing, come to the house of God with a notebook and pen. And those who know everything, sit there like statues. And live like statues. Go into eternity like statues. Okay. But those who do not know, will always be taking notes because they know they do not know and they don't even trust their memory because they know they will forget. So they need points to remember. But Christ comes to bless and it's already done. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, not will, who has blessed us with some. No. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's done. There to here. Right? There to here. It's done. Now there are a lot of people in so many nations listening to us now. Okay? Of course they will receive it 45 seconds later than you, but they will receive it. Why? Because the message is in the air which they cannot see. They need to believe it is being preached. They need to log in to the internet, to YouTube or Facebook. It is there. Can they see it? No. But if they believe and log in, they can see it. So every spiritual, every blessing is first spiritual. It is not physical. Every blessing is first and foremost spiritual. The purpose of hearing the word of God is so that faith will come and we learn how to bring it into our realm. So God has already done it. God is not going to do. He's already done it. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly realms. In whom? In Christ Jesus. So the first condition is be in Christ. Second, know where it is. Third, understand how you bring what you need into your life's to fulfill God's purpose, His will. In Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given, not He will give, has given, all things that pertain to life and godliness. But how? Through the knowledge of him. That's why we need the knowledge of God. Who is God? How does he function? That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, his righteousness. He didn't say seek righteousness. He says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And his righteousness comes only one way. It's only by faith. There's no other way you can receive the righteousness of God other than by faith. And you know what? For both you need to listen carefully. Because faith comes from hearing. Hearing. 
And the knowledge of God comes from hearing. So it's given. It is done. It is given. It is done. Unlike any other book, please remember, the Bible is a book of faith. What did I say? Bible is a book of faith. It's not a scientific book. Though there is information that will blow the mind of a scientist away. Because it's far ahead of science. Far ahead of science. But it's not a scientific book primarily. It's not a historical book, though it is precise history. It is not a geographical book, though it is there is geography there. It's a book of faith. This was for which the elders were commanded. By faith, we know. See, the Bible does not begin with an explanation because it is not a scientific book. It begins by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. So, the Bible can be understood only by faith. There's no other way you will understand this book. Otherwise, it will become a historical book. You will look at geography and make a map and how Israel moved and all that. All good. You look for scientific errors and you will become a fool at the end of it. The science is still trying to catch up. But the key to the kingdom of God is faith. So if you don't bring faith even this morning as you are listening to the word of God, you may receive some principles. Because even people who don't believe read this book. Sometimes they read this book more often than others. Because this book also offers wonderful principles of how to live. The book of Proverbs is a wonderful book of Proverbs. You will receive principles of how to live. But let me tell you, there is no faith. You will not encounter God. To encounter God, you need faith. When it comes to God, knowledge does not come first. Knowledge is second. What comes first is faith. Knowledge doesn't come first. We have to grow in the knowledge of God. That's Peter's exhortation. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. But knowledge does not come first. Faith comes first. Faith comes first. When it comes about faith, it's in a person. Faith is not to get things. Faith is not about succeeding. Faith is in a person. In one one single person called God. Faith in a person. Over 4,000 years ago, standing before a burning bush, and the bush refused to be consumed, standing barefoot, and the voice of God was speaking to him from the fire, Moses asked this question, primarily meaning, who are you? If people ask me who sent you, what do I tell them? What is your name? Because names mean big. Names is your, name is your identity. We had a naming ceremony today. A baby was named, right? Ivan Zaydin was named. But how do you name God? What name can hold him? 
What name can hold it? So God says, this is who I am. I am who I am. I am who I am. That's who God is. I am who I am. Who are you? And God says, I am who I am. So the writer of the Hebrews, through the Holy Spirit, in Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Not knowledge first, faith first. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. That is the rewarder of those who diligently who seek Him. Do you see that? The first thing. So we have so many definitions from the Bible itself about what faith is. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things, and all correct. But what is the personal definition of faith? The fish personal definition of faith is when I go to God, He is. What is faith? He is. He is. If you know God is here now, many of your attitudes would be different. Your attitudes are not what it should be because He is not for you. He is. He is. That's why your spirit will be sensitive to hear, Lord, I know Pastor is speaking, but I know He is not speaking. I know you will speak to me today before the service is over. You will speak because he is. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. He is. Because if you don't believe he is, you will not seek him. Do you seek anything that is in yesterday? No. You don't. Because it was. To us. You don't seek anything. And if something that is in 2023, are you seeking it now? Because you're not even sure. It, not it will be, it may be. What is that you seek? What is? What is? What is? So is he present for you? Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. That's what the writer of Hebrews will say. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. This is the eye of your spirit. The eye of your mind. Keep your eye fixed on Christ Jesus. Be focused. And come focus. There is more preparation to hear the word of God than anything else in life. Because to hear that voice to hear that voice. When the great prophet of God broke under pressure, buckled and wanted to kill himself, to hear the voice of God, to give him a complete change of direction in his life, God had to angelically feed him, through angels feed him twice, cause him to walk 40 days away from the presence of every human being, bring him to the top of a mountain, keep him in a cave and then have all kinds of manifestations and then speak in a whisper before he could hear. 
Preparation for a prophet to hear. That's why today we do not have prophets like the Old Testament prophets. We don't have. We have the gift of prophecy. We very, very rarely do we have prophets. Because a prophet is chosen in his mother's womb. And his entire life is preparation to hear. To hear the voice of God. It's not easy. To hear the voice of God. No, we are not prophets. But to hear the voice of God, there is a preparation. Preparation. And the preparation is, doesn't start on Sunday morning. It starts much before that. Before that. Lord, I need to hear. I believe He is. That's why we keep telling, come before worship begins. Come before the King comes. These are things as far as possible. If it is beyond you because of unforeseen circumstances. I'm telling you. Because we have lived in this democratic setup. We don't understand how monarchy works. The king's in an actual monarchy. The king comes last. Once the king comes, the doors are shut. Nobody enters after that. Every subject has entered and taken his appointed place before the king enters. Before the king enters. So if that is what we do for an earthly monarch. See, these things can be done only personally, not corporate. Corporately it can only be taught. Personally only it can be obeyed every day. Every day. That's why we say, seek ye First, first, first. Because he's a servant king, because he's a gentle king, because he's a kind king, and he doesn't take, in his own word, doesn't take pleasure, even in the death of the wicked, he still speaks to unruly subjects. If he went by the standard of earthly monarchs, he shouldn't be speaking to any one of us. But he is not that kind. He's a servant king. And he doesn't take pleasure in the destruction of anyone, even the wicked. So he still speaks to us. But our duty is to keep our eyes fixed on him. Because anyone comes, first thing we have to believe he is. For he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. What do you seek this morning? See, there are four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. should never lose that, okay? Lose that in your life. We have what is called the Red Letter Bible. You know what a Red Letter Bible is? Where the actual word Jesus spoke is written in red. If you open the gospel according to Matthew, first time you read is Jesus speaking to John about the baptism. It is meet, proper, for all righteousness to be fulfilled that you baptize. Okay. If you go to the gospel according to Mark, it is written, then Jesus started preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is here. If you go to the gospel according to Luke, Jesus speaks at the age of 12. Why were you seeking me? You know, your hair should stand up. 
really, when you read, you know, unlike the rest of the Bible, which he spoke through men, you know, he is speaking. Why do you seek me? Did you not know I was at my father's business? And in the gospel according to John, the first words he speaks is, what do you seek? He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek healing. He heals. That's not what is rich. Who's seeking prosperity? He prospers people. Who's looking for exaltation? He exalts people. That's not what is written, but those who diligently seek him. So the question Jesus asks is the question ringing through centuries. What do you seek? This morning, what do you seek? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And those who seek him must first believe that he is. None of us, even in this entire lifetime, will really get to know God fully. Because it's simply impossible. Impossible. But every time you come to God, you should go back with knowing him a little better. A little more. And that is going to happen only if you come by faith. And faith says, he is. God says, I am who I am. Faith says, he is who he says he is. Not was, he is. Let me tell you, faith is more than knowledge. Faith is experience. Faith is experience. Where you have, you need knowledge. But like Pastor Vijay was using, I think last Sunday he was talking about. Faith is when you move from the theory class to the lab. In the lab, suddenly you realize theory is not working. Faith is where you encounter the person of God. It's an experience. You encounter God. You know he is. You know he is not what was told to you. He's no longer your father's God. Your grandfather's God. He becomes your God. God will first come and say, Hi Jacob, I'm the God of your father Isaac and your father. One day Jacob will say, The God of Jacob. It's no longer his father's God. Or his grandfather's God. He says, the God of Jacob. My blessings have exceeded. Why? Because he knows God now better than his father or his grandfather. It's an experience. So faith is an experience where you really encounter the living God. Faith every time goes to God and believes that he is now. He is now. In Romans 14 and verse 23, it's another illustration or another view, understanding of what faith is. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not of from faith is sin. Okay? Whatever is not of faith is sin. And whatever is of faith is not sin. It is righteous. It is righteousness. 
Whatever is from faith is righteousness. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Meaning, you came to church and you're sitting right in church, but you have not come in faith. Your very presence in the house of God is sin. Because you have not come in faith. You don't have to do one thing to sin. All you have to do is miss faith. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. I'm not saying you are judged. I'm saying it's a sin. Because faith always begets God's sons. Unbelief and sin always begets slaves. God has only sons. He has no slaves. The enemy has only slaves whom he calls sons. But they are not sons. They are slaves. I have this excitement of birthing children online. That's a different different joy when you minister online and you birth children. So this week I birthed a young man who was 18 years old, birthed a young man in Christ. So when I wrote him a second time, I said, uh, be safe, son. Immediately responded back and said, are you my father? I said, no, I'm your spiritual father in Christ. The transition takes place just like that. Slave to son. Because faith begets sons. Unfilled, unbelief, which leads to sin, begets slaves. God has only sons. The Bible says sons abide in his house forever. So let us be a son today. Or a daughter today. And it is by faith. Don't flip like this. Son, slave, slave, son, son, slave, slave, son. No. Be a son. Be a daughter. Stay in faith. Stay in Christ. We saw in Galatians 3.14 about uh, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through faith, what do we receive? We receive the Spirit of God. When we receive the Spirit of God, what do we become? We become sons of God. Daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. This is the blessing of Abraham. God doesn't come to curse. He comes to bless. And what is the greatest blessing you can receive from God? You are my child. You are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. So Romans 8, verse 15 and 16 says, For you did not receive the spirit of... What did the devil give you? The spirit of slavery. It is always in fear. What does God give you? He gave you the spirit. See, the S is capital. The spirit of adoption. By whom? By that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, we are children of God. That's why you cannot prove to somebody, I'm a child of God. Because it's your witness. The spirit of God tells your spirit, you are my son. You don't have to, you don't need a birth certificate. You don't need to prove. You don't worry. Death will show. Your spiritual DNA was of God. 
You cannot prove to skeptics and atheists. But you are God's child. How do you know? How do you know? What is it? Fine. You can go through all these rituals of the church and be absolutely not sure. Yet, you can have not gone through anything of the church. And no, because you believed. Verily I tell you, today you shall be in paradise with me. In an instant, a slave became a son and is in paradise. Because the Spirit gives witness, you are the child of God. That's the primary witness. That's the primary witness. That is the witness. That is the blessing of Abraham. What have you become? We have become the sons and the daughters of the living God. And every time as a son and as a daughter, you go to your heavenly father, believe that he is. He is. He is your father. He is your God. And he wants to reveal himself to you. The question is, Lord, open my ears. Not he was. Not he will be. This was and will be is useless today. I am very hungry. Do you have food? But I have ordered it will come tomorrow. Is it going to feed today, Sangha? I had, but I finished. That was yesterday. God has given only, in the Bible it's very clear, a day called today. Not yesterday or tomorrow, today. Tomorrow, you should always say, if the Lord wills. We are not sure. Even about traveling, James says, if the Lord wills. Only today. So the Bible says, today, then you hear his voice. Today, not tomorrow, today. So God is always with his children today. Not yesterday or tomorrow. Though he's there in the yesterday and there is in the tomorrow because he is outside time. But we experience him and we have to experience him today. Because you and I need solutions today. Go to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am. Your shield, your exceedingly great reward. The question is, this is God's voice to Abraham. The question is, does Abraham believe? No. It's knowledge. Has it become faith? No. It hasn't become faith. How do you know? Because even when he's 99 years old and his 90-year-old wife is pregnant and they go to Gerar, he tells his wife, please say that you are my sister, otherwise somebody may take, kill me and take you. Does he believe God is a shield? So all this is the knowledge of God. It is useless if you don't believe. Even for Abraham, it is useless if you don't believe. You may believe for a child when God says, but the same man may not believe God is able to protect his wife and the child. That's what happens to us. We may be able to believe for one thing from God and totally not believe in another thing. And what happens? The enemy takes over. Takes over. That's the things we have to fight in our mind. He is. He is. Yet, a thousand years later, 
son of Abraham, one of the sons of Abraham, man whom God really loved and who loved God. In Psalm 3, verse 1 and 2, Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. And he passes. You know what's his response in verse 3? But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. He says, you know what? You are my shield. Where the father failed, the son does not fail. You, O Lord, are my shield. He is my shield. You know what he's saying? You're not just the one who protects me. You are my protection. You are my protection. You are not somebody who protects me. You yourself is my protection. If I am in you, if I am surrounded by you, there is nothing or nobody who can touch me. You know who is running from? He's running from his own son. From Jerusalem. An old man. Running from his own city. Because his son has taken over the kingdom. And he wants to kill his father. Do you know what he says? You are my shield. You are my shield. You are not only the one who protects me. You are my protection. That's why God loved this man. Even today, Abel was reading from another psalm. These are all psalms of David. 150 psalms. At least 77 are his. And each one is not the knowledge of God. It is faith. It is an experience with the living of God. Reading that we get knowledge. And we struggle with faith. He was not a wise man like his son. But he was a man who knew God. Through his encounters with God. You are my shield. You are my shield. That's why testimonies are important. Your personal testimony encounters with God are important. Where you are able to say, you are able to pass it on to another generation. I know. I know. God has. God has. I know. God has. Your personal testimonies are important because you cannot just walk with the knowledge of God. You need to have faith. And faith means He is. You know, I encountered God. I know. He was there. I know. He is my shield. He is my protection. He is not just my protector. He is my protection. When God created us, Adam and Eve, when God created us, man was created in glory. Was covered and surrounded with glory. That was how he was created. God's image, full of glory. When man sinned, the first thing he loses is glory. That's why they realize they are naked and they are ashamed. Naked and they are Ashamed. The devil knows it very well. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
And that's what the devil offers every man, every day. And that's why we run after glory. Because deep inside, we want to cover our shame. We are ashamed of something. We don't feel equal to somebody. So we try to find, find glory. In the same portion in the gospel according to Luke, he will talk about authority and glory. That's why we are not satisfied with basic things. We need a thing which is basic with glory. That's why we keep on upgrading everything from phone to cars. And we are not satisfied with the house we have lived for so many years. And the minute money comes in, we call and we renovate it. Everything is connected to glory. But you know that this glory is vain. Vain meaning it's not that it's not real, but the, it it never lasts. It never it fades away. It fades, and how that's how the devil, devil fools us. Vain glory, nothing fades. How much joy do you have in last year's results? GPA ten out of ten. Where is the glory? It was last year. This year you found. 10 more than you got 10 out of 10. Give me one thing where glory lasts in this world. Nothing lasts. Absolutely nothing lasts. This entire world system is built on vain glory. And God says, don't be part of it. Don't be part in that rat race. Everything that you need, I will add to your life. Don't run after this vain glory. Think about the great ones of the past. The really great, great. Today we don't add great to anybody's name. And if we add, it is meaningless. We used to say Akbar the Great. Today's government, in another five years, there will be no Akbar the Great. In Akbar won't be there in history books. Forget great. We are rewriting history. Because we are ashamed. We are ashamed of the fact that we are 85% of the population and one small group of people came and took over our country. We are ashamed. We want to rewrite British history because we are ashamed that one tiny little nation from that place came over and took us over. We are ashamed. You can't change history. And we don't have to be ashamed because when we were in Christ, Christ gave us an absolutely New beginning and cancelled all history. Shame and glory. We are trying to cover our shame. Okay. That's why I said you should study to acquire knowledge, not for glory. If you study for glory, that glory will never satisfy you. Knowledge is useful. Anything you do. Kings of the past. Legends of the past. We had an interesting picture of two legends sitting side by side. And Nadal was weeping because Federer is retiring. It's true. Weeping. Because one legend has retired. Don't worry Nadal, your time is coming. You too will retire. 
Every when I'm waiting for Nadal to retire, because when Sachin retired, I retired. When Nadal retires, Pastor Vijay will retire. <laughs> After that, no more cricket for me. I finished. Sachin retired, I retired. Nadal retires, he will retire. He will have more time on his hands. You turn to Isaiah 40, verse 6 and 7. Oh no, not 40. I think it's Isaiah 14. Not 40. 1 4, 1 4. Not 40, 1 4. The glorious ones. Can I have one, four, six, and seven? Yeah. He who struck the people in wrath with a continual struck. He who ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and no one hinders. The whole earth is addressed and quite they break forth singing. Uh, isn't it that? A, a little more down. Let me give it to you because you have to read it. All those who pursue glory need to mark it down with special ink in your Bible. Okay, verse nine. Okay. 9 and 10 and 11. 9, 10, 11. Okay. Hell from beneath is excited. Not heaven from above is excited. From? Hell from beneath is excited about you. To meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. And all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nations. They shall speak and say to you. Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? And then, your pomp is brought down to Sheol. Your glory has been brought down to Sheol. And the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. What a nice covering. Even though we had this spectacular eight days ceremony, with four billion people watching the final day. The truth is, if you were to open the casket, one layer of mask maggots, another layer of maggots, that is your glory of being Britannica for 70 years. Where you have gone, God knows. I don't know. I'm not a judge. I don't know where you have gone. Only he knows. Remember pomp and glory? This is the truth to what God is talking about. We are ashamed. We are ashamed. Even Moses, when he came down from the mountain of being in the presence of God for so many days, there was this glory on his face. They said, cover your face. But you know that? That glory faded. Because flesh cannot hold glory. It will fade away. It will fade away. That's why our generation, we have all these pictures and videos, past glory. We store them until we guess the message from iCloud. Your storage is full. Please buy. <laughs> then we debate. Is it worth paying for past glory? <laughs> Psalm 3, verse 3. So how do I have Glory that lasts. But you, O Lord, are my shield. You are my glory. He is my glory. He is my glory. That glory can never fade. That crown is never taken away. He is my glory. The 
That's why God says, if anyone wants to glory, let him glory that he knows me. That is my glory. He is my glory. If he is my glory and God approves of me, it does not matter what the world says. It does not matter what the world says. If God approves of me, you know what? I can go through any situation. And do you know what I experience God in those situations? You don't have to be discouraged and put your head down. You don't have to be ashamed and put your head down. You do not have to be depressed and put down. Because you know what he is? He is the lifter of your head. He is the lifter of your head. He is my glory. Because when you are ashamed, you put your head down. He says, you don't have to. If you see, God says, me as your glory, you will see, I will always lift your head. You never have to be ashamed. Never have to be ashamed. But if you look for any other glory, let me tell you, it is always comes with shame. Because within a few minutes, hours or days, you will see somebody has more glory than you. And glory never lasts. He is my shield. He is my glory. Therefore, I don't have to hang my head in fear. I don't have to hang my head in shame, discouragement, depression, nothing. So the question this morning is not who is your glory? What is your glory? What do you find glory in? Who is your glory? What is your glory? Look at all these people. They will all fade away. All of them will fade away. But you, O Lord, are my shield, my protection, and my... You know what he's saying? Do you know when he's saying? When I come back. You know what people will say? Keep David coming back. Do you know who went after him? His own son. Do you know who took the throne? His own son. Do you know what he did to his father's wives? Father, you know me. I have only gloried in you. And I can walk through the streets of Jerusalem with my head high because you will lift my head. No man could have walked in more shame than he because this is what his own son did to him. Do you know what he says? You are my shield. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Think about it. Can you go through any more demeaning experience in life? But when you see he is your glory, he is the lifter of your head. That's how you look. That's how you walk. And who is he? Who is your shield, your glory, and the lifter of your head? Who is he? Psalm 10 and verse 16. Did you get it? Did I give it? The Lord is king forever and ever. Who is he? Tell me who is the king forever on earth. Nobody. President for life. He also dies. 
monarch, longest reigning monarch, she also died. But who are you? Who are you? My glory, my lifter, your love forever. Forever and ever. So I would rather glory in something or somebody who is forever and ever and who is a king. The Lord is king. And he's king for ever and ever. Ever and ever. So if you want to boast, boast in Christ. If you want to glory in your accomplishments, boast in what God has done through you. Not what you have done. Be sure it is God who did. God has done through you. Because you know what? It is glory forever. Because he's a king forever. That's what the Bible says. Christ in us. The hope of our glory. So he is my shield. He is my glory. And he is the lifter of my And be very sure it does not matter what happens on earth. If you have sought him and you have found him on that day, you won't be ashamed. The Bible says on that day, many will be ashamed. Believers will be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. God says you don't have to be ashamed. So anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. He is. It is not how smart I am. But it is how great the art. How great the art. Look at Joseph. Look at Daniel, this simple man who went through experiences. None of us will ever have to go through their rigors. But every time when they were called and put into a situation, they would always say, uh, Oh King, uh, our God. They didn't say how smart I am. They said, how great he is. See, they boasted in their God. One Hebrew boy in Egypt, boasting in his God. One Hebrew boy in Babylon, boasting in his God. They found he was their glory. And he was the lifter of their heads. So Joseph is lifted from the pit to the palace. Because his glory was God. And he became the lifter of his head. And the king say he wanted to lift him among the three satraps to the highest. Because Daniel gloried in his God. Therefore God was the lifter of his head. In Psalm 18, David is facing another situation. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I trust, I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What can he say to this man? And he's not sitting in a church happy, all settled, had a heavy breakfast. No, he's running from King Saul. All his psalms are his experiences when people are chasing to kill him. You know what he says? You, O Lord, <clears throat> he is my strength. What is your strength? Money? Education? Resume? Young people? Gym? What is your strength? 
Young ladies, your looks doesn't matter. I can always hook one. What is your strength? Because people find their strength in so many things. That's what the Bible says. Beauty is pain. Charm is deceitful. You getting it? Who is your strength? Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in you know, often this is one of the things which God tells us, if you listen carefully. You're fighting the very things which I'm trying to make you weak. So that you will know me as your strength. He is not going to be my strength unless I am weak. But who wants to be weak? That's why God keeps telling Israel, after I have done all this, 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 and prospered you and everything, do not forget who made you prosperous. Jeshurun grew fat and he kept God. That's why he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. You can never experience the strength of God in any area where you are strong. He is not your strength. You are your strength. Abraham is, Abraham was rich in the Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham was rich in Haran. Abraham was rich in the promised land. Abraham was rich throughout his life. But if he has to experience God as Jehovah Jireh, my provider, it has to be on Mount Pariah where he's poor. And all he can offer is his son. And his son, God says, don't kill him. So you are poor. You have built an altar. The fire is ready. The wood is ready. There is nothing to offer. A sacrifice. Then you realize there is a ram. And God is the provider. As long as you are rich, you will never know what God's prosperity is. What God's strength is. You are my strength. You are my strength. Saul is pursuing him with 3,000 soldiers to kill him. But you know, he says, you know, Lord, as I'm running, I also want to tell you, not when I am prosperous and sitting on the throne, Lord, as I'm running as fast as I can, as I run, I want to tell you something, Lord, I just love you. I just love you. For you are my strength. Next time the dog chases you and you have speed more than the dog, run saying, Lord, I love you. Because no king is going to chase us, but dogs will. And that's when you really realize skills which you never had, how you climb this tree. Now you don't know how to come down. He is my strength. He is, not was. Or will be. He is. When you are weak, what you want to know then is God is your strength. He is. He is. I'm sure in the entire land of Israel, after three and a half years, when the heavens opened and rain poured down and everybody rejoiced, one person moaned. It was the widow in Zarephath. Because to live every day experiencing the provision of God ceased. She regretted. Lord, this was awesome. Every morning you go, there is flour in the bin. The oil has come up. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Then one day, rain comes and you look down. Experience is gone. All those years, he is my provision. He is my provision. Telling you, he is. And he is my rock. Verse 2. He is my... Now God is speaking our language. Because if he speaks his language, we won't understand. That's why when we pray in tongues, the Bible says you are speaking mysteries to God because you don't understand, but your spirit is speaking to God. So if God were to speak in tongues, we will not understand. So he speaks our language. You look all around the world. Everything is passing away. Everything is passing. Trees fall down. Everything wind blows. The sands of the seashore keeps on. Everything is on a constant state of flux. And in this state of flux, one thing that looks constant is the rock. That was my first sight when I came into Hyderabad. June the 5th, 1992. Boy, this city has only rocks. Hyderabad's skyline has changed. But even now when you come by the train, the rocks are still there. 30 years later, the rocks are still there. Everything else has changed. When you are coming down the main railway track now from Warangal, Narne Estate, welcome you. The last time I saw, I don't know, was last time I traveled in train, I don't know when it was. But it's, it's still me there, right? And the rocks. So God says, I am the rock. The constant in your life. The unchanging person. So he says, you know what? I am the rock. Who never changes. Because we need in our life somebody who never changes. Who is constant. He says, I am the rock. He is the symbol of their, of our stability. So he talks about the Gentiles before Israel. And he says, you know, they also had gods. But they failed before you because their rocks sold them. But Israel wandered in the wilderness 40 years. Nobody could touch them. Nobody could curse them. And they were fed every day. They had fresh, sparkling water every day. Because the rock that followed them was Christ. So Christ is my rock. Why is that we can sit here absolutely sure of our salvation even when we actually factually know that we are no better than many people out on the streets because my salvation is upon the rock called Christ Jesus on his work and not mine. Therefore, I am not moved about my salvation. If my salvation was based on my work, every day of my life, I'll be a miserable man. But I'm not miserable because he is the rock. Upon this rock, Jesus told at the confession of Peter, not Peter, what he said, who do you say I am? You are Christ, the only begotten son of God, son of God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall build my church. What have you built your church? What have you built your life? You know what David built his life? You are my rock. Therefore I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. 
What is the rock? What are you building your life on? Jesus said about two people, illustration, a man who built on the rock and a man who built on the sand. Both outwardly looked fantastic, looked the same outwardly. But the difference was one had built on the rock. And he says, who builds on the rock is who hears my words. Hears, that's where it begins. All begins. Faith comes from hearing. So when he heard, faith came. And that genuine faith leads to what Romans 1, 5 will say, the obedience that comes by faith. You heard and you obeyed and your life is on the rock. The storms can come. The floods can rise. The wind can blow. King Saul can chase you with 3,000 soldiers. Absalom, the nation can go over to Absalom. And you have to flee from your own son who is looking for your blood. But he is my rock. Abiyadar, take the ark back to the city. I don't need the symbol. Because I have the person. When you have the person, you don't need the symbol. The ark is a symbol of God's presence. But God's presence is with David. Because people will gather around the ark. He says, no, take it back. He is with me. If he has taken the throne from me, so be it. But if he has not, I don't need the ark. The throne will come back to me. Because he is my rock. He is my rock. Who is your rock? Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. He is my shield. He is my glory. He is the lifter of my head. He is my strength. He is, not was. He is my rock. That's why the ancient sang the songs on Christ, the solid rock. I stand. Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Don't stand anywhere else. It is sinking sand. Don't stand on your accomplishments. Don't stand on your knowledge. Don't stand on your wealth. Don't stand on anything. We're going to face crisis after crisis after crisis unless God puts his feet on the bricks. Let me tell you, be prepared. Be prepared. Let him be your rock. Germany is going into a recession like it has never in its modern history. Because Russia has shut off the gas. Winter is coming. We don't know how many will freeze to death. Like they did not release the COVID deaths, the actual numbers. They will not release the actual deaths. Industries are shutting off because they have to conserve. Germany is the heart of industrial Europe. And if Germany is going to start, to it started already. Other nations will follow. We came through pestilence because he was our rock. We'll come through war if he is our rock. We'll come through famine if he is our rock. It is coming. It will come. Don't, where even your knowledge won't be worth anything in the market. Because there are no jobs worth your knowledge. Jobs are few. Laborers are many. Money will have no value. 
not when inflation. No, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about hyperinflation. Meaning, what cost you one rupee to buy may cost you 10 or 15. Your money has lost its value. Because the governments are just printing money and dumping it and it loses its value. How do some products have the price crashes? It's because it has become the buyer's market, meaning there is more product in the market than the number of buyers. What happens when it happens to money? It has no value. You see, people have gone through all of this. That's why the word famine is repeated over and over and over and over throughout the Bible. Do you know who came through it? Those who knew God is their rock. They were not moved. They were not moved. They were not shaken. They were not shaken. They were not moved. They were not shaken. He is My fortress. He is my fortress. Who is your fortress? Fortress means something that is impregnable. You cannot break through into your fortress easily. He is my fortress. What is your fortress? Nowadays, fortresses, old days, you see, like the, when the Kewins, this thing was coming, you could see the slice of British history, the huge, massive castles built in the old days with the moats around, the drawbridge, because then when gunpowder was invented, all that became useless. But before gunpowder came, fortresses were impregnable. Right? But who is your fortress? What is your fortress? Your money? Your knowledge? Your strength? Numbers? These are all the things that people glory in. But look at Proverbs 18 and verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is your fortress. And the righteous run to it and are there safe. That's what the first thing God does. The first thing that God does is, if you believe with your heart, and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in what he has done. You believe in his name. And he's not satisfied. He says, you know what? I need to do something more so that you are secure from every attack. He takes you and me and he baptizes me in his name. Baptized, soaks us, immerses us in his name. And then he says, in my name. But no power on earth. Neither Putin, nor Biden, nor she, no army on earth can move one single demon. Your nuclear weapons are worth nothing before a demon. He says, in my name. The fellows who control this world system, in my name. When they come to you, in my name, shall cast them out. In my name. The power of that name. We don't understand. The power of that name. 
It's more powerful than the most powerful weapon ever invented by man. The power of that name. Demons tremble before that name. But are you baptized in that name? Is that your fortress? As the righteous of the Lord, have you run and hidden in that name and saying, I die, you live, I have no other identity, but you and you alone, O oh Lord. And have like, like, like Martin Luther, if I'm right, said, every time the devil knocks at the door, I let Jesus open the door. When trouble knocks at the door, when calamity knocks at the door, who opens? You or Jesus? Who opens? In his name. In my name. You shall heal the sick. Is that the testimony of the church? No. In his name I fall sick. Nonsense. Not blaming, condemning anybody, but I'm saying keep speaking. Keep speaking. I speak to my body every day. I tell it, you will not get into a sick bed. Because I got better use for you. Your job is to glorify God. Okay? And not glorify the medical profession. Thank God for them. Even if you are in sick bed, speak to the bed. You will be without a job soon. I will get up from here and I will go. I will pick up my mat and I walk. I ain't lying here. Unless he has a purpose for me lying here. Because I have made a covenant with him. The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Demons tremble. They might try to set you up. Knowingly, unknowingly, corporately, individually to kill you. They may call it poison with poison or call it vaccine. But in his name, I will not die, but love and declare the works of the Lord. For it is written in his name, even if you take poison. It shall not harm you. Even if you pick up snakes in his name. If you like snake meat, eat it. Don't let it eat you. Because we are called to trample upon snakes and scorpions. I see Stanley smiling from there. So if you catch it, give it to him. He may fry it for you. <laughs> You shall not be scared. You shall not be scared. Russell Swiper, King Cobra, what are these before that name? They left all that outside my own door at the church office and I have the pictures. They left it at the wrong road because they didn't know this man grew up with saying snakes. And he's not scared of snakes. Because you have a name. About that great and ancient serpent. Even that serpent, the ancient serpent, very soon the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. That great serpent. What are you afraid of? Stay in that name. Be baptized in that name. 
Be soaked in that name. You should say like Paul said every day, wake up and die. I die daily so that he lives. Tell the Satan, see what you can do to Christ. Aren't you tired of being kicked all the time from the cross every day? You can try it with me, but you can try it with him. So what I will do is, I will hide in him. Let him fight my battles. He is my fortress. And he goes beyond that. The righteous run into his name. He says, you know what? Hitherto, till now, you haven't asked the father anything. Now you ask the father in my name. So that your joy may be full. Ask in my name. Just don't go and say, Almighty God, highly exalted. All that is true. And then, are you afraid to ask? Just don't ask in your name. You may get a no. You ask in my name. Because when you ask in my name, he looks at me and sees you in me and you're good. You are not just good. You are perfect. Because it one sacrifice, he has made perfect all those who are being sanctified. So be careful. Don't go in your own name. Request denied. Go in his name. Go in his name. He is my fortress. My strong tower for the righteous run into his name. And they save their hide there. Psalm 18 verse 2. And he is my deliverer. Who is he? You know all his psalms we read one also today. Your responsibility we read and forgot what we read. Because he is not. is our reality. David's reality is he is. He is my deliverer. This poor man cried and the Lord heard and delivered him off some of his troubles. He says, no, every trouble. All his troubles. No man of God goofed up like David. And no man of God was rescued from all his troubles like David because he cried and the Lord heard him. Therefore, when he says, he is my deliverer, he experienced God as his deliverer. So it didn't matter who it was. It could be King Saul or the fake King Absalom. It could be the Amalekites, the Philistines or any Gentile nation. God delivered him from everybody. It could be a lion, a bear or Goliath himself. God delivered him and gave him victory in every situation. You know why? Because he said he is. He is. Should have a testimony or encounters with God. Where you are able to say he is. Why? I have a history. A hidden history with God. Everybody is panicking. Everybody is running when Goliath comes and challenges for 40 days. No challenger to Goliath. Even the king who is head and shoulders about the rest of Israel. Until the young boy comes. And then he has a testimony. One day the lion came. One day the bear came. What did they take? A lamp. But the Lord delivered them into my hand. My God is a deliverer. I will fight him. God will deliver Israel through my hand. 
God is a deliverer. In your prayer closet, you should experience God as your deliverer. That's what he's saying. He is my deliverer. He is my strength in whom I will trust. I will not trust in my strength. That is why people don't pray and go do things. And then come back and say sorry. What is, why is the prayer closet so important? Because that is where you prove to God, you are my strength and I am not strong. It doesn't matter how strong you are. No man walked on earth who was more stronger than Jesus, who are more wiser than Jesus, who are more anointed than Jesus. But every day it is written, his day began in his prayer closet. When it was still dark, he rose and looked for a deserted, secluded place so that he could be in his presence of his father and seek his father's will. Why? Because you are my strength. You need to ask. And you know, God will bless you. God will prosper you. That is his desire. But I'm telling you, as God prospers you more and more, your prayer closet should be inhabited more and more and not less. So that you can stay in that and it doesn't touch your soul. As God blesses you, as God strengthens you, as God prospers you, keep one thing very clear. Your prayer closet, where you encounter him. You prove to him, you are my strength, Lord. I will not put my trust in this. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with a good education, good degrees, making me the top of my class. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the position you have given where I have influence. Thank you for the wealth that I have. I don't have to worry about my daily provision. But Lord, early in the morning I will rise you and I will still come and tell you, Lord, you are my strength. Because this can go, this can go, this can go, but you are my rock. You will never go. Because you gave me a promise. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I will be with you. Till the very end. He is my strength. He is my shield. And he is the horn of my salvation. He's the horn of my salvation. He's just not my salvation. He's the horn of my salvation. David is speaking from experience. He can look back and remember the day when Prophet Samuel had come to his father's house. His father did not include him. His mother did not include him. He was in the wilderness taking care of his father's sheep. And probably a servant came running and says, you are wanted. Your father is calling you. Imagine drama scene. What happened? Some calamity. He says, no, the prophet has come. Who? Samuel, the prophet has come. Yes, you are being called. No guile. No upset. Daddy didn't call me. Mommy didn't call me. Nothing. But when he reaches the home, the prophet is standing. He hasn't sat down. He's standing. When he sees the young boy running in, God says, that is my boy. The Bible says, he took the horn of oil. Horn is a symbol of power. Saul was anointed from a flask. David was anointed from the horn. He took it and anointed him. And he knows the power that came upon him. That's why David was never defeated by his enemies 
all the days of his life. You know why? Because God was not just his salvation. God was the horn of his salvation. It's an experience. Even last week, I had to tell somebody else in another country, look back, look back. Yes, you've been pushed down. You've been pushed, pushed, pushed. But actually look at every day the enemy has not been able to overcome. Every day we have been victorious because we have experienced him as the horn of our salvation. That's what God says. He shall take you in Christ Jesus. How? In triumph. How? In every place and in every time. Spiritual victory is guaranteed 100%. Physical, no. Physical is irrelevant. What matters is spiritual. And I'm guaranteeing you on the word of God. If you experience God as the horn of your salvation, the devil cannot defeat you. It's impossible to defeat you. He is the horn of my salvation. That's what he was talking. In Ephesians 6.10, if I'm right, the psalmist will say, um, Paul will say, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Not enough. In the power of his strength. Then he says, why? Because we are not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting principalities, powers, rulers, weak Get powers of darkness. He is, it's another man in the new covenant who understood him. He is the horn of my salvation. You see? He is my high tower. He is my stronghold. These are all words that is used. But why is it so? Why is it so? Psalm 18, verse 46. The Lord loves. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Why? Because he loves. My God is an idol. My God is not a bummer. My God loves. And he loves forever. He loves. He is. He lives forever and ever. He is. Think, meditate upon these things. He is my shield. He is my glory. He is the lifter of my head. Because when these situations comes, you need to believe that that is he. I will not be put to shame. You will not. You will vindicate my name. I will shut my mouth and I will wait. Because you have promised in your word, I will make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Fret not when evildoers are doing, going around and doing them. Shut your mouth and trust in the Lord. and Do good. Keep doing what he has called you to do. Don't answer your enemies. Let God answer them. Why? Because he is the glory and the lifter of my head. We are busy fighting the wrong battles. Fighting flesh and blood. Fighting to vindicate our name. Jesus did not fight to vindicate his name. He said when he was accused, he kept his mouth shut. But he handed everything over to his father, the righteous judge. And therefore, by his stripes, we are healed. 
He is. He is. Psalm 23 and verse 1. He is my shepherd. Not Pastor James. After the service, Pastor James will go and sleep. But your shepherd, your real shepherd, neither sleeps nor slumbers. And he watches over you. He watches your going out and coming in. And he will not cause your foot to slip. Sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Why? Not because you are great. Not because you are strong. Not because you are not tired. You are tired. You are weak. But your God, your shepherd, is watching over you. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. Because he is. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. That's why we do not fear about the future. The future will come. It's Like I said, unless God puts his pedal, his feet on the pedal and slows down things and gives the church some more time. It looks very bleak. But if he is, not was or will be, if he is your shepherd, your confession is that I shall not want. I shall not want. That's what I said. Thousands and thousands of people in Israel going through famine. But one poor Samaritan widow did not know famine because she fed Elijah and she experienced the God of Elijah as her shepherd. There was no want in our life. We have to come back to those days. We have to believe God can command ravens to feed me. God can command people so that my bin is filled because the days are coming. Everyone who relies on the hand of flesh is cursed because he tells, I will break your staff of bread. Here is a man who says, I shall not want. I shall not want. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. Not only that, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. How wonderful this shepherd is. He's been preaching to the people. The crowds have been following him. And now they are in the wilderness. The crowds are tired. And the disciples come and say, Lord, send them away. Let them go to the towns and eat. We are very far away, lest they faint. The Lord says, you feed them. They said, Lord, six months wages won't be enough for a mouthful. Boy with five loaves and bread and two fish. And he said, make them sit down. And it was a place full of green grass. Read your Bible carefully. When the shepherd chose a place to feed his people, he made his sheep sit down in green pastures and he fed them and he fed them 
until everyone was full and they had 12 baskets of leftovers because he still makes me lie down in green pastures. Never changes. Never changes. Go to sleep well. Every night. Doesn't matter what is facing tomorrow. Every week I have to tell somebody, sufficient unto the day is the trouble. Do not worry about tomorrow. Why can't you sleep? Because you ate well today, but you're worrying about tomorrow. Who told you to worry about tomorrow? The sweetest psalm for sleep is Psalm 131, the smallest psalm in the Bible. Meditate on it and go to sleep. Can I have it on this on the on the screen? Because he makes me after the sheep have eaten, they will roll around in the nice green grass. Go to sleep. Lord, my heart is not haughty, my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Will she Attack Taiwan or India. Don't worry. Too, too profound for him. Leave it to God. Will Vladimir Putin shoot a nuclear, tactical nuclear weapon upon Ukraine? Don't worry. Go to sleep. Profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Remember? We had no morning prayed for Atira's little sister because we didn't name her yet. Why? Maybe couldn't sleep through the night cry. The last resort is hold it close because a very comfortable voice sound a child has known for nine months. Like a child weaned. Question is, David, when did you wean a child? Says, as a shepherd. The little lambs I carried. Then when I was in trouble, I realized that is all I have to be. A little lamp in my shepherd's arms. And I turned around and went to sleep. The ones who were chasing him had sleepless nights. They need musicians to put them to sleep and they couldn't sleep. David is sleeping nicely. He is my shepherd. He is. This is how you know. How do you, how do you know he's your shepherd? Watch your sleep. Watch your rest. Watch the thoughts in your mind. Oh my soul. Why are you downcast? Hope in the Lord. Why are you anxious? The minute you are anxious, you are not able to sleep. He is not your shepherd right now. He was. He is not now. Revert back to default setting. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He leads me to still waters. Keep telling pastors, the simplicity of the gospel that is in Christ. Don't 
muddy the waters. This is the water that can save you. This is the water that can cleanse you. This is the water that can sanctify you. Don't complicate it. Don't muddy it because sheep cannot drink it. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Because you know what? You listen to Jesus preaching to the crowds. Very simple. There was a sower and as he was, how simple. Look at his messages. They are all very simple. Not complex. Uses illustrations they can understand. It's very simple. He never muddies the water. Whether it is about heaven or whether it is about hell. Never come. Hell, maybe, no, surely. About peace? About torment? No mudding. If you do not forgive from your heart, so will my father have. Very simple. Nothing complicated there. He never muddies the waters. He will always lead the sheep to still waters. Drink from it deeply. It is good for your soul. Good for your soul. Meditate upon Psalm 23. These are Psalms that have sustained millions upon millions of souls. Because one man went through it. Became his experience. Then it became the experience of others. Verse 4 it says, Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, you are not going to live on the mountain top all your life. Most of the time, you are not going to live on those mountain top experience. As soon as service is over, the valley will begin. Valley is a place where there is not much light. Much light. Even though I walk through the valley, and it is not even dark valley, there is a shadow over the valley. It is a shadow of death. Death is pursuing you. Wicked people are pursuing you. Powers of darkness are pursuing you to cut short the destiny God has for you. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because he is with me. He will do something to rescue you from the lion's mouth. He is with me. He is with me. Look at his own personal testimony. How would only God can do something like that in First Samuel. Look at that, First Samuel. Chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. David fled from Nayoth and Rama and went and said to Jonathan, why? He's running from Saul, found shelter with Samuel. Samuel is not there. He's running, he's running, he's running. What happens? And said to Jonathan, what have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And Jonathan said to me, by no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing either great or small without first telling me. Why should my father hide this thing from me? Is it not so? And David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. He says, I am just a step away from death. And Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Do you know what God said? Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear. I'm just one step away from death. But when the king who's trying to kill me and me, God put the king's own son. 
Jonathan is saying, if he has to kill you, he has to kill me first. He has to come through me first. That is God. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If anybody should have killed David, it is Jonathan. Jonathan says, I am for you. And I will stand between my father and you. You will surely not die. Surely not die. That is our God. That is our God. These are mysteries we will never understand. Pharaoh is going to be destroyed. Egyptian army is going to be drowned in the Red Sea one day. Israel is going to walk free out of the land. And the deliverer is sitting at the Pharaoh's table and eating merrily. And his name is Moses. Where is he? Sitting at the Pharaoh's table. Does the Pharaoh know? This boy who is sitting here will destroy Egypt one day? He doesn't know. Because that is my God. That is my God. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because my constant is, He is with me. I am surrounded by my enemies. I am surrounded by my enemies. Doesn't bother me. Because when I look, man, dad looks like a chef. What's my father doing? Oh, he's got the chef's cap on. And he's got his apron on. And he's busy cooking for me because he spreads a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Enemies are surrounded me. But my father is feeding me. In their presence. He is. He is. He is. I want the worship team to come. He is. He is. It does not matter if you have worked and failed. Yes. You worked hard, but you failed. You worked the whole night. You failed. You are discouraged. You are disappointed. Jesus stands at the shore and says, Children, have we caught anything? Nothing. But if you look at the shore, if you look carefully, there is smoke rising. There is smoke rising. Why? Because he has baked bread and fried fish for you. Did you leave your post? Yes. Did you fail through the night? Yes. Are you discouraged? Yes. Are you disappointed? Yes. Has he prepared a table for you? Yes. Why? Because he is. He is. Not he was. Not he will be. He is. That's what God tells Isaac. Famine has come like his father. Foot is going towards Egypt. God said, stop. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Don't go. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. I will take care of you. I will. He prepares a table. Oh, that is nothing. Something greater. In John 14, 1 and 2. Let your heart not be troubled. 
you believe in god believe also in me all of us except maybe one or two who live in their own apartments or houses the rest of us all live at the mercy of landlords though the land is his they act like lords the earth and the fullness is his to them he says don't worry don't worry in my father's house there are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and i go to prepare is preparing more than a table is preparing a house for us each one their own with your name on it no encroachment that was a physical symbol he gave israel each man will have a plot just way to call the promised land you cannot sell it don't sell it is for yours forever and ever and ever and if nabot said no even the king couldn't take it because that was the law eternity you will have a prepared place forever and ever final words for today song of solomon chapter 2 and verse 4 one of the most beautiful verses in the bible he brought me to his banqueter's house and there was a banner and his banner over me was love and angels scratch their heads demons gnash their teeth and says behold what manner of love that these puny little useless things are called the sons of god we forget all these old songs right one of the first songs i learned when i got saved in that bible study was a simple song called he is my everything he is my all come ever simple song right not complicated you need to learn to sing simple songs which you understand the lyrics and the tune is not complicated which only worship team can sing which you can sing and you can understand let it be your confession through this week what is that he come let us stand up and sing that simple song he is focus on that words he is
I love thee, O Lord. These are my favorite songs. These are all He is. These are all He is songs. Love thee, O Lord, thou art my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God and my rock in whom I hide, my shield and my stronghold. Love thee, O Lord. Our living God who is and repent and ask for forgiveness for worry for being anxious for fearing so much because it's a blot on who he is because he said do not worry he said look at the sparrow look at the lilies of the field your father your father in heaven not even a sparrow falls to the ground without your and my father in heaven knowing he said look at the lilies even Solomon in all his splendor was not clothed like one of them he is my father and your father that's why when Jesus was asked by his disciples, Master, teach us to pray. He said, this is how you need to pray. Our Father, when you are desperate, when you are anxious, when you have no more words to say, just say, my Father, that's enough. Because it is written, your father knows, already knows what you need before you ask. Just say, my father, I have no more strength. 
like David. They had wept until they had no more strength. Everybody's hand was against his him. They picked up stones, but it is written, David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he encourage? Because he remembered he is. He is my shield. He is my glory. He is the lifter of my head. He is my deliverer. He is my fortress. He is my strong holder. He is my shepherd. He is. And he always is. Heaven and earth will pass away. The earth and the heavens will roll up like a scroll. But he forever he is. Today this morning we stand before you. For he who is. Is my father. And our father. And we come to you Lord and say father forgive us. For the times we have worried. The times. We were anxious. The times when fear overwhelmed us. We forgot. You are there. Right beside us. For the youth said. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Lord we want to proclaim and confess today. Whatever may life may hold us. You will never leave us. And we want to be where you are. We would rather be in the prison with you. Than be outside without you. We would rather be in the fire with you. Than be outside without you. We would be rather in the lion's den with you. Than be outside restless without you. We would rather be in the dungeon with you. Than be in the palace without you. For Lord. You. Are the horn of my salvation. You are my salvation. We don't want to be anywhere. Without you. This morning. This final Sunday. Of this ninth month. We once again surrender ourselves. Into thy hands O Lord. We want to be, as your servant down mind sang, we want to be where you are. Nowhere else. Experience you more than anything else. For you are that great I am. Strengthen your people. Heal your people. Strengthen weak hands, feeble knees. Hearts that are failing. Stretch forth your hand. Touch your people. One touch. One word. Spoken to that inner man. Destinies will be changed. Life will be changed forever. Captives will be set free. That's who you are. Speak that into every listening ear, Lord. 
be made whole in Jesus name thank you thank you father thank you now father we lift up holy hands now we want to bless your holy name bless your holy name bless your holy name we stand in your house and we declare thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever cause our king lives forever thank you lord name of jesus we pray amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with us now every day of our life amen amen amen